0: Warning. warning, 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 Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? It's the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast radio show, recorded live from our studios in Redford, Michigan. Home is a full-service labor organization formed to provide every labor-related service from negotiations, grievance processing, legal and legislative representation to Act 312 arbitrations. Here with Ken Wolf. Ken, you know, we were talking last, uh, we talked a little bit about how the impact the virus and the pandemic, the stay-at-home orders, the... Uh, the different things. And uh, I know you've got some more some more stuff that you've seen on your job that would help us to understand how that impacted people. Why don't you share some of that with us?
1: I think from a more global perspective, there's been a new um, landscape in this country, and it's intensified in the last two years. And we see the political divisions. There's been a lot of attention to racial tensions, extreme ideological groups, um, social unrest, the impact on police community relations, and then the financial impact of the people forced to stay at home, kids forced to stay at home, parents forced to stay at home. And all that has affected not only the citizens, but the Police, because remember, we're human beings first and police officers second. And there was a recent survey that I think is, is very illuminating when they were talking about or surveying people's fears during COVID. So, um, 78% of the people surveyed said that they um, were having fears of developing severe illness. 74% was a fear of the impact on their personal finances. 59% were scared of spreading the virus, you know, being asymptomatic or symptomatic. 56, developing severe illnesses themselves. And, you know, when you're the sole provider for the family, you can't afford to get sick. And 29% were frightened about going to work. And yet when we think about the police officer and the first responder, you got to go to work every day. You don't have the luxury of being furloughed, and you have to be out on the front lines. And that impacts our perception of everybody we come into contact with. And I think it would be helpful to have some insight as to the mindset of the citizens we're interacting with, because these anxieties, these fears, these living with uncertainties may lower their threshold of impulse control because they're at a higher flashpoint of fear themselves, and then that sometimes results in in negative interactions and more interactions in the police community um, interaction scenarios.
0: You know, I'm listening to that, and it's it's very as you say, illuminating, and and I'm thinking to myself that all those people, and I guess I borrowed an old line from Jack Webb years ago that we hire from the human race, and you kind of used a little bit of that there, and when you think about it, all those things you just said, if you took the uniform off all those guys and all those ladies that are out there doing this job, all those things apply to them too, only they still had to go to work, as you said, so as, as uh, crippling as it might be to worry about all those things, but you were worrying about them in the safety of your home, and here the officer was coming into your home, and and on top of that, that anxiety had caused you to be a different person too. And the, maybe the unrest, uh, you're watching, you know, in the city of Portland downtown, people actually chasing the police officers from the police station and setting fire to it. Uh, when people start to see that they, at, after some point, you start thinking they're maybe they're right, you know. And I think that that can bleed over to these guys too. It looks like acceptable behavior, for lack of a better term, that it's okay to run, it's okay to shoot, it's okay to fight with the police because they're bad people, and you know the media. You know, you know. I guess we can't blame them for all of it, but it has. I like to say, caused us to lose status. It used to be this was an honorable job. It used to be that it had with a certain status. I I was one that would say all the time, we're held to a higher standard and we want to be. We really do. Uh, we think we are that good. And all this media attention that was going out there while people were locked in their homes was telling them that uh, we can't be trusted, that we're, you know, we're bad people in so many words. And that caused, uh, you know, the obvious reduction in the ability to, to hire good people, you know, and that, that'll be a whole generation, I think, I like to say before we fix it. But that's, those are really uh, – those numbers mean a lot to percentages because they do apply to us and then maybe even apply to us one-fold higher.
1: And, you know, I think you raised an image issue. People –
0: mimic what
1: they see. You know, if you think of television in terms of its power to influence behavior, I mean, how much do the people pay for ads on TV or the Super Bowl? A hundred, a $1 million dollars a minute. Because they recognize that the viewer seeing something on TV, there's a legitimacy there. And the more we saw pictures of angry citizens screaming, yelling, taunting police other people by repeated exposure instead of they're horrified by it the first time the seventh time they say oh yeah as though that becomes an acceptable norm and then I think those images in the minds of certain citizens say well if they can do it I can do it too and then it raises the level of tension in terms of a police officer citizen interaction
0: You know, I I wrote something, uh, as you're saying that, it reminded me about a year ago I I wrote something on the website about uh, changing the driver's training methods to tell young people how to act when a police officer walks up. Why does a police officer walk up close to the side of your car? Why does he walk up sort of suspiciously? Um, and then we find out how many of them are, are now are assaulted during traffic stops—the old quote, "routine traffic stop." You know, just guy speeding. Uh, and we we talked about getting that change in driver's training because actually a mom had come to me and said, you know, I try to tell my my kid, you know, the officer has to be cautious and things. But we all were, you know, we've got all this equipment on. we've got you know, all of these big big people back there walking up with all kinds of things hanging on their belt, and it just makes people. Fearful. and now what's occurred in the past two years is it's almost encouraged people to believe that we should be feared you know that that's our intentions are never good. we're just here because of you know for this to, to raise trouble And you know it's just not the case and you know we uh, I, I, I have to tell you one of the things that bothers me the most when I have people getting disciplined and it's, there is like record numbers of discipline right now if you can imagine. Um, it's not, and it's, we have fewer police officers and we're having a hard time hiring And for some reason or other. There are some employers that find it's very simple to fire somebody. And the the test that's being used all the time now is one that I, I'm growing tired of. And it's that it just doesn't look right. It's not, he broke a policy. It's not that he broke a law or a rule. Uh, it's that it just didn't look right. And it's, that's a tough boundary. You what you think looks right and what I think looks right might be completely different. It's not anything that's black and white. And uh, the optics, that's the other one I hear. The optics aren't good. You know, we need to worry about the reputation. We need to worry about getting sued. We need to worry about what the public thinks. And so it's really pretty easy to get rid of this this person And because when somebody says, well, what did you do about it? Oh, we fired him. It's simple, and if an arbitrator gives them his job back, it's that's out of their hands. They don't worry about that, and that doesn't look right. Thing is, is driving me crazy. We operate on this what's called the uh, Carol Doherty was an arbitrator years ago, and this is highly uh, recognized. It's called the seven tests of just cause. Almost every contract says that discipline shall be for just cause, and it's seven tests. Talked about what needed to be done and for it to be for just cause. And I've been telling people lately, I think they should add an eighth test, and that eighth test should be how did it look, because that seems to be the most uh, the most favorite one out there for people to fire guys or just what people was it just didn't look right. And how do we do that? I mean, how do we how do we get officers to plan on how something's going to look without causing them to retreat from what they know is the right thing to do just to avoid not looking right.
1: And, you know, that brings up another issue in terms of the rules of engagement are changing. You know, you had the second things for just cause. And on one hand, when you talked about the traffic stop, the citizen saying, you know, hey, what's going on? Why is he doing this? And what can I expect? Let's think about what's going on in the officer. Let's think about the officer who's been looking at police one and realizes how many officers are shot on the traditional stops, on these ambushes at police departments. So their level of vigilance is much higher in terms of possible risk. And, you know, we always talk about community-oriented policing we want to be partnerships with the citizens. We do, but we want to do it in safe ways. So in the mindset of the officer, is this stop going to be like the one that happened in Texas or New Hampshire a day ago? So they're at a high state of vigilance because they want to go home at night to their families, just like the drivers do. And I think the citizens are not necessarily aware of all, as you were giving us data, on the officers who were getting shot, who were getting ambushed. And that makes uh, an impact on an officer because their level of street survival is having an awareness of risk. So when they're maybe quicker to react than they normally would have been, they're thinking about the shootings two days and six weeks ago of other officers where the level of anger being manifested by citizens is causing that anger and assaulted behavior.
0: You spoke a little earlier about uh, the staying at home and how that impacted the people that we meet on the front porch. And I can tell you that in, in, in my job, the things that I've come across that relate to what you said there are, of course, we've got reduced manpower. It's not just the difficulty hiring. It's because they're home. They've, they've got a quarantine. We have employers out there that make you quarantine 10, 12, 14 days for an exposure, maybe a positive test. I've actually got one city that causes guys that test negatively to, to quarantine for 14 days. And that word quarantine sounds terrible. I think when I was a kid, you know, they put a sign on your front door, don't come in here. But now they tell you you can't come out. I've, you know, that was a little different style of quarantine than what I was used to. But you think about it, an officer comes home from work and he has to now quarantine down in the in the spare bedroom and have his food brought to him and it's left on the floor outside of the door while the kids and the mom are down the hall having dinner. And then he's got to go to, uh, and he's got to think about that while he's at work and he's being exposed or potentially exposed. Uh, I did have one officer tell me, you know, it's an I, when I got exposed to this person, the first thing that crossed my mind was, I'm going to lose some holiday pay and some overtime, and I really need it. I've got four kids at home. And that was why he was afraid to to approach this person in a normal fashion, and he did, and he did get exposed. But it was one of those deals where we never had to think about that. You know, We had to watch your hands. We had to watch the crowd. We had to watch the traffic. But we didn't have to wonder if you breathed on me uh, that I was going to have to get my food handed to me outside the bedroom door. I mean, it was just completely different. And I think it had an impact on the, how these officers do things. And again, I hate to keep bringing it up. They're just human beings. You know, they're just real people. They have kids, a dog, a parent, or a, a brother. And, uh, and nobody seems to want to know that because if they do something wrong, it's because it doesn't look right. And, uh, uh it's unfair. I mean, I hate to say that fairness is what should we, we should we should depend on because I, I don't expect there's much that's fair about there anything out there, but in this particular case, it's become a, it's become a, a thing that's causing us to react differently than we even think is right. Right, and
1: you know, you triggered off a of memory. Um, we were responders at Ground Zero, and a lot of the officers who were doing extrication from the Twin Towers they would come home and they would take their clothes and throw their clothes away. And the donations they got from all the clothing places gave them new clothes because they didn't want to take anything that would have the contamination or the smells from Ground Zero come into their homes. And I'm thinking, what about the officer who's been on the streets? He comes into contact with people who may have, and many do have, the virus, and yet that officer has to come home and is the concern, did whatever happened to me on the streets, could I bring something home that could affect my kids and the people I love?
0: We actually did have several cases where the officer, be it the the male or the female part of the family, came home and and the other spouse did get infected, and now you had two people quarantined, you know, so... You know, next time we, we talk, we want to get into a little bit about how, uh, how the job has changed because of this, too, and not just in the communications we have with people, but about how overtime has impacted things, and staffing has impacted things, and some of the other things like that, so... Uh, talk about that the next time I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of the poam podcast radio show I want to remind you that each and every month you can find every single podcast online on apple itunes just search for poam they're also available for download or for live listen on our website visit us at poam.net get on our newsletter and send us all of your comments and suggestions for future shows